Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Eat podcast brought to you by Hunt Lift Eat official. I'm Carter. I'm jumping us off this week, and I'm here with my co-host. Just kidding. He's the host. Luke Cox. What's up, dude? Not much, man. Just just trying to get everything fixed, as always. Putting out fires, trying to improve. That's what we always do. But uh, yeah, man, I'm stoked for, for this conversation today. Uh, we've got Got Tyler Jensen, who's a kind of a reoccurring guest. What's going on, Tyler? What's up, guys? Happy to be here. And his better and half. A, yeah, you and Tyler, why don't you introduce your your better half? You can better give us all her credentials. I think most of the shit on the wall behind you, she's shot while you watched. <laughs> she's shot or found. Yeah. So, just so everybody knows, we're doing a podcast today on uh, my girlfriend Savannah's bear that she shot this past spring, uh, and we'll get into some fall prep for either deer or elk but i don't know i think i've talked about my girlfriend multiple times on the podcast about yeah she kills this yeah she kills that oh yeah my girlfriend i saw this but she shot it like it's it's fine <laughs> it's a great relationship we have she shot this big thing and then i carried out all most of the weight and then it was fine but she got sick pictures so <laughs> it's one of my favorite videos i think that you have on uh, on it's either instagram or tiktok and it's like you going through and like every single animal in the house you're like yeah she she found this one she killed this one she killed this one she killed this one i killed this little guy she killed this one she killed this one she killed this one <laughs> it's pretty awesome it's fun dude we we have a hell of a time out in the woods so it doesn't matter to me i actually get a lot more in and out of it than most people do than just her shooting stuff like i love when she just hammers bears and deer or whatever it doesn't matter to me yeah, so welcome, Savannah. Stoked to have you on here. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hell yeah. And I'm a big fan of uh, Savannah, too, almost as much as a fan of Tyler that I am. But you uh, you gave us a place to sleep that was out of the cold, brutal winter of... Hot shower. Hot shower. Pooping in the blizzards. It was yeah. So yeah, you saved, you saved my life, not to exaggerate. And you were really helpful in helping me find uh, the deer that I did find, or the coals. You're deer. welcome. Yeah, super appreciative. Awesome. Right, well, yeah, go ahead, Lynn. Yeah, I was just gonna say let's we kind of know a little bit about Tyler. If you guys have been listening, if not, just go back and listen to his episodes. And Savannah, why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself when you started hunting? You know, how did you grow up in it? Is it something that you've done later in life? Like, just kind of give us a full rundown of all that. Yeah, so I've been super fortunate. I'm born and raised in Montana. Um, my dad, you know, had me hunting when I was two, three years old on his back. And it's just something I've stuck with. I was super into sports in high school, so I didn't do it as much in high school as I would have liked to. But kind of just been a big part of my life since I can remember. So it was nice to be able to grow up and then just become a little bit more independent as I got into college and my adult years. So now it's just our thing. We just do it together and it's been really nice. Yeah, that's great. That's, it's really cool. It seems like uh, it's kind of a pattern a lot with the ladies that are getting into it. It's like they grew up with it and their dads and then, or it's like my wife hunts because of me a little bit, but if I was to like die, she would stop. So it's cool that like, your dad kind of taught you, you've continued it. And now 
sometimes it seems like just looking from afar that you're kind of driving Tyler or like Tyler's like hunting one area and you're off by yourself hunting another, which is pretty unique. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. We both have a lot of confidence in each other. I think it's, we've talked about this. Tyler likes hunting with me because he doesn't have to babysit me. You know, I'm, I'm competent enough that I can kind of take care of myself and do what I need to do to get it done, which is cool. Yeah. It's really nice to be able to do that. Like, like she said, we've talked about it multiple times, but the fact that one, I can let her go into like a separate piece of woods or whatever and like not have to, like, I'm not worried about animals because I'm confident in her ability to like one, protect herself out in the woods. And two, like if something were to go bad, at least she would know how to like handle it. But also, like, she's killed animals by herself, all like, all alone out in the woods and, like, you know, quartered them up, put them in packs and carried them out. So it was not like I don't feel dependent on where I'm like, oh, she can't go alone. We have to hunt together. Like, she, I mean, she, hand, she handles it all by herself. And then it's like what sucks now is because when I find, like, my favorite hunting partner is that when I go alone, I'm like, this kind of boring as shit. Like, I don't really want to go out. Like, we don't get us wrong. Like, we have, we have, like, we are very serious when we're out in the woods for the most part. Like, there are times where we're, like, very, very serious. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we're, when there's elk bugling, we're very serious. Yeah. But, like, for the most part, like, we're just two goons, like, out there just having a good time. And, like, I think for us to take it to – that much fun uh and having that kind of just silliness out in the woods it just makes us want to hunt together more and then there's like the brief seconds of like oh shit there's a bull like get serious and then they we either kill it or it walks away then we're like all right back to being goofy and trying to find these stupid things yeah that's an important dynamic to have in a hunting partner and it's not always an easy thing to find like when you get it right you got to hold on to that shit because like yeah you got you got to be able to trust your hunting partners like level of fitness and like you said competency and like if we get something down like are you gonna be able to help help out a little bit here so that's that's super cool i I love seeing that between you two yeah she definitely holds her own when it comes to you know when we first started hunting together i you're always skeptical like all right yeah you see on social media she's killed deer and elk and blah blah blah. then you find the backstory like obviously if i kill an elk i want somebody to come help me pack it out too so it's like oh she had friends come help her pack it out. And then when we shot her cow this year, she strapped up like two quarters on her back and we hiked it out. And I was like, all right, this bitch fucks. Like, we got it. We're good. <laughs> dude, there's plenty of dudes that I know that w- wouldn't be able to do that. So it's tough, dude. It's people don't realize that like, yeah, you, I mean, Luke, Luke can attest to this, like being in the military, you can put like a 60 pound pack on and walk a track 12 miles. Like, Yes, it's tough, but it's, like, very easily doable. But when you put, like, 100 pounds on and you got to hike out just four miles, but it's not a track. It's up and over deadfall and down through the snow and bullshit. You you realize, like, it sucks. It's not, like, it's not fun. Yeah, you get cool, like, Instagram reels and shit. But the whole time you're like, why the fuck did I shoot this thing so far in? This is so stupid. But, again, she... I don't have to, when we shoot something, I'm not like, oh, fuck, all the work is happening now for me. It's like, oh, no, you're taking half and I'm taking half. So like, done. <laughs> yeah, dude, when we shot my deer really close to the truck, like not far at all, that was like my first like real pack out, right? Like, yeah, that was like my first real anything like that. Cut it up, put it on your back kind of thing. Because back home, we just drag them. 
and uh, that was not far. And I was like, this blows. And that was not <laughs> yeah. the biggest deer at all, right? I, I was like, this sucks, man. And Tyler's just up there, just like marching along. Turn around, well, that same like, area, you had shot your deer. So you remember where we were like sitting that morning, kind of glassing over, watching that big buck? Yeah. <clears throat> Savannah had killed a buck, her buck that year, right there. And so we had packed it out from there all the way all back the way to the back. truck. It was awful. In the, yeah. in the dark, like you can't see. And you just get to a point where you're like, you don't really know where you are. You're just yeah. like, all right, I know I'm going into this direction. So you just keep humping along. But you don't know like, oh, is the tree line coming up? You don't know if it's like, oh, do we have to go down this? Is it better to go around this? You're just like, fuck it, we're going. And you just, it sucks. Yeah. That's brutal. It's a great time. Great time. Yeah. People don't understand because like – you can spend a lot of time in the backcountry. I grew up doing a lot of backpacking on the Appalachian trails, you know, living off out of a pack. Obviously I'm in, in the army and the infantry and like was light for a long time, did a lot of that shit. And it's different though. When like, even, you know, being in the 101st in uh, middle Tennessee, you're not on trails and shit when you're doing stuff. But when you take that and you go and you're like side slope on the side of a mountain with a heavy pack on, like it's completely different. Or when you're you're going like you were talking about deadfall and like just having that mental fortitude and and prepping you know prior to is so important and that's really why we, you know we talk about the fitness aspect of it all the time because it matters so much. So, Savannah, what do you do outside of you know hunting to prep like physically? You know, the, I'm assuming that you're not that you have some sort of workout routine and you're, you're training to be able to do this kind of stuff, especially as a, as a woman putting a heavy pack on, like your chassis isn't necessarily built for that. So what are you doing to kind of prepare and get ready for the, for hunts? Uh, so really I, the gym is a big part of our lives together. Um, our schedules are a little bit different, but I am in the gym at least five days a week. And, you know, I'm not just walking and lifting five pound weights. I'm, I'm lifting heavy. I'm making sure my muscles are conditioned. I don't really do a ton of hiking, which, We've talked about this a little bit. I don't think you can truly prepare for the mountains unless you're in them. Um, it's just, it's a whole different ball game. You can hike up trails and, and do all that, but it's different. It's like that first week you kind of are huffing and puffing and kind of once you're into it, it gets a little bit easier, but I just keep my muscles strong. And that really is what helps me carry out half an elk or a bear, or whatever it is. I mean, it might suck, but that's kind of, just, just stay strong, really. Yeah, I really love that because that's really the the core of what our training, you know, programming strategy is. Is like it's everything through foundational strength, and like you need that strength foundation, muscles, armor. You have to have the chassis. You have to have the core built. You have to have the leg strength, and the endurance is good. But I think a lot of people over focus on the endurance. They're only looking at like how many miles am I putting in? Am I actually going hiking? Am I putting the ruck on? like a ruck isn't going to, you're not building any muscle by rucking, you know, maybe a little bit in your legs, but like you need to actually do that strength training to build the chassis and then, you know, prep. And I liked what you said too, is like, yeah, you might be huffing and puffing a little bit, but the endurance side, your body adapts fairly quickly when you're in the mountains and you're doing that day in and day out. Like it might suck, but after a few days, you're going to start to adapt and, and get better, but you can't, you can adapt to endurance quicker than you can adapt with strength. So having that on the front end, I think is really important. Yeah, exactly. Um, my, I mean, my legs, they have to be strong because if I'm going to keep up with him, I mean, he's got a couple inches on me, but he's also like physically, he's just stronger. You know, he's a man and I'm 
built different. He built different. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got an extra, what, 60 pounds on me? Yeah, I'm jacked. And I'm not a very big person, but um, I, I keep up with him just fine. But I don't think if I if I didn't have the muscles that I did, I just, I would, I'd lose it for sure. For yeah, folks that don't know, Tyler's just a fucking stallion. So. <laughs> I'm just a stud. But I think what she's saying about kind of what you're saying about like endurance, what people fail to realize too is that, okay, so we, we live in Montana, right? But like where I live elevation wise is like 35 to 3,800 feet. Where we elk hunt is like 7,000 feet. So like there's a huge difference. And so we can run and ruck all we want at 3,500 feet. But when you get up to those like 7,000 feet, I mean, we went to – tack at big sky and like you're not hiking hard like it's little tiny trails but you're at eight thousand feet so like you get to the next target and you're like i'm not this out of shape am <laughs> i like I am breathe? i such a piece of shit why can't i breathe but you realize you're five thousand feet over where you normally train so the endurance aspect of hunting the problem is is that you don't have to turn hunting into a physical game where you can take the time and i'm, I'm a big like she's helped me out quite a bit with like taking your time in the woods like yeah you want to get to a spot yeah you want to get there first or like you know elk are in this area but the second you get on the trail like hunting starts like you i mean for for instance carter like your buck was right off the road essentially from we walked past it went all the way out fucking 10 miles came back and your deer was right there like yep you don't need to overexert yourself to get to a spot because one if you do then there's a bull there and you're huffing and puffing you can't draw your bow back or you're shaky or same thing with a rifle like you need to be able to just take your time like the endurance aspect of hunting yes you want to be able to go all day but you can rest like there's nobody saying that you can't stop and just like (laughs) sit on your pack for 10 minutes and like let everything relax and then move again like i think everybody you know, like the Cam Haineses of the industry and all like those guys are like, oh, you got to do CrossFit and you got to run 90 miles a day. It's just like, or I just relax in the woods because it's peaceful anyways. And like, I'll get to where I'm getting, like it's worked so far for us. So there's been multiple times where we have gotten out of the truck and just bullshitting back and forth, laughing, just obviously not being super serious. Last year we had a bull (laughs) hundred yards off the road, six point bull, just hanging out with a couple cows and we had no idea he was there. And, you know, I mean, it's right out of the truck. So again, you don't have to, like you said, hunting starts right away. So it's not like a, a race to get to where you're going. Just take your time. And that helps a lot. That's really important. I, I was uh, a couple of years ago, I met Ryan Callahan from Meat Eater. <clears throat> Me and him were chatting about that. And he said it's really common, Tyler, with guys from, uh, he sees it a lot with the, his buddies that are either active duty or vets that he hunts with. And because, like, we have this, like, point A, point B, like, got to yeah. get there, right? Like, like very kind of mission driven. It's like, okay, we're going to be glassing from this point where uh, we need to get to the top of the mountain now. And then, like, we just kind of, like, overlook the fact that from where we're at to that point, there's actually still habitat and there's probably animals in there. And a lot of people are doing the same thing where they're just blowing past because, it's kind of flipped where everybody thinks you have to just go in deep now. Well, now a lot of people are going in deep and you're missing shit that's in close or, you know, in some of the places that I've noticed is like, it's that really like everybody will take the same kind of trek to get into wherever they're going, whether it's a trail or whether it's kind of the path of least resistance. And then some of that real steep, nasty shit, that's where you're going to find some animals and people are walking like right next to them. So, you know, hunting your way in is something that I really try to think about and, it's a struggle and I don't do it, but, and then back to the fitness piece of it, like, sure. Like that's a hundred percent right. You can just 
relax. Like it's, it's way easier when you're hunting versus when you're training, because there's no time limit. You're just, you're just walking and you can, I think it's actually good to walk, stop, walk, stop, walk, stop. Listen, can you hear anything? Like, are you actually looking at the ground, looking for sign? Are you observing your surroundings? Cause too often we do, we just, it becomes like a race to get to the top of the mountain for whatever reason. And it's not, it's not really ideal. I mean, most of the animals that we've killed this year, besides your buck, were like pretty close. Not the bear. Well, the bear, well, we looked at a different bear. We were headed to a different bear when we shot yours. And then we ended up like right off the road seeing her bear. So it's like kind of what you're saying, military guys. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. We're like, oh, point A to point B, get there as fast as we can so we can just fucking chill. But it's like, okay training in the military like yeah you're not getting shot at in fucking kentucky or whatever so it's like you're fine but when you're hunting it's it's like yes you have a destination but if you just give up the aspect of like hey we just walked through five miles of territory like there's animals there there's for sure animals there and our rule is too is that like you never leave the same way you came in. So like you just, even if you like make a big loop, at least you see a little bit more territory. And like, for me, that has helped me out very, I mean, a lot, because just like a, a buck I shot a couple years ago with my bow, I was just like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna make a loop and just get out of here. And I ended up like stumbling upon this muley buck that was bedded. And if I had just walked out the simple trail that I'd walked in, I never would have went up there and seen him, you know? So it's. People need to just not make hunting such like a point A, point B thing. It needs to be like, all right. Point C, point D, point E, just continue around. Yeah, like little checkpoints and just being like, hey, stop. Like you're saying, uh, do we see any rubs? Can you smell anything? Like elk have a distinct smell. Like where's the wind coming from? Over there and we smell elk, like they're probably up there. So it's just, I think people with the industry the way it is now, people are just like, oh, I got to get in 10 miles, then I can start hunting. Dude, you just passed by 10 miles of prime hunting. Like you, yeah, sure. People have probably hit it more often than the guys who are hunting the 10 miles in, but the elk are still there. That's where they live. You're in their house. Like you just got to figure out which room they're in. Yeah. The other piece of that too is, you know, it's hand in hand is we, I think we want to cover too much country. It's like, I want to see all this instead of just like really looking and like trying to like pick apart, especially from like a glassing point, like, you know, some of it depends on the species and the time of year and stuff, but like, what are we actually sitting there at, at our rendezvous that we did a couple of weeks ago? I did a glassing class and I was like, you know, when you're picking apart a ridge line, like you need to be meticulous. You know, you might only see a tip of an antler or an ear or just something. And too often a guy will, you know, you'll see it and I've done it where you like kind of look through a basin, you might glass offhand real quick and you're like, ah, there's no animals down there. But then if you sit there and actually look, it's like, holy shit, there's a where Carter killed a mule deer the first time I hunted in Wyoming with him. <clears throat> it's a sage ridge that if you were like cars, it's right off the road and cars just drive by it. And it's a little tiny piece of public <clears throat> that juts into this big private ranch uh, off the road that you can get to. And I mean, nobody stops there. And if you stop and start glassing, you'll see 50 or 60 mule deer does and a handful of bucks on that ridge almost every single day. And people just glass right or gloss right by them. And so really taking that time to not just, it's not always about like covering the most amount of country. Sometimes it's about the time that you spend actually looking and, you know, analyzing and picking apart the country that you're already in. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the the point of this podcast as we're 20 minutes in. And uh, let's let's talk about that bear that you guys just alluded to. So, you know, let's break down a little bit of, you know, set the stage for us a bit and then let's get into it. Do you want to go? Sure. Okay. So I don't know what day were we on. Like We'd been out a few times. We'd seen a handful of bears. Um, it was later in the afternoon, I think four or five o'clock. Um, and we, Tyler had spotted this bear like, way far out, like four miles as the crow flies, just a bitch of a hike to get into. And we kind of get each other into trouble because we're both so willing to just go on these shit hikes. So all right, all right let's fuck it. Let's go. Um, and we're hiking in and we have this rule. Like if you spot it, you shoot it. It's like he, so he spotted it. it was his bear. It was really nice bear. I'm, I'm terrible with judging bears. So, um, I don't know how big it was, but that I mean, seems like guess. a really hard thing to do. <laughs> it's one of the hardest things to do judging yeah. bears. Cause yeah. we'll get into it, but later in this story, like, obviously we went to go look for this bear that I'm shooting or that I found. You could tell like just kind of the way he walks. I'm like, all right, he's a, it's a mature bear. I don't know if it's a male or female, but it's a mature bear the way he's walking. He's kind of got bowed legs. Like he's kind of got that like swagger to him. You're like, all right, that's like, let's go at least take a look closer up. And then. Yeah. And we're, so we're walking and it's like this never ending. We're in a, uh, an old logging road. Um, but it's just like never ending twists and turns that just make this hike so much farther than it seems. Um, we get quite a ways in about four miles and Tyler's in front of me and he bumps something off this login road and it's full of trees and whatever. And it takes off dust in the air. And he's like, that was a bear. He's like, I don't know how big it was, but there's a bear there. So we're kind of taking our time walking through and being kind of quiet. And he just stops. I'm probably 20 feet behind him. And he just stops and looks at me and gets down and puts the gun up and he's looking and, you know, I don't see what he sees cause I'm not close enough. And he, you know, he tells me to come here. And there's a bear just sitting there 50 yards away staring at him. And she she did this weird, like how a dog kind of relaxes and plops its head down. She did that a couple times. And, and we were trying to get her to stand up to just judge and see how big she was, see if she had any cubs with her. We didn't know it was a female at the time. Um, but Tyler was on the glass for probably 20 minutes just watching this bear and decided that he didn't want to shoot it. It wasn't. You know, because we had seen a that much bigger bear. And so he passed on this bear and I was like, well, fuck it. I want to shoot it. She had this big old pumpkin head on her. And I was like, that looks like a good bear to me 50 yards away. And so she she stands up and, you know, I was still pretty confident that I wanted to shoot this bear. And I shot her and she tumbled. I mean, dead right there. Didn't go 20. Hashtag. Didn't go 20. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was a super cool experience. It was technically my second bear, my first bear I shot many years ago from a long distance away and it was very small. So I was super happy with this bear. Um, they aged her at like what, 10, 12 years old ish, if they had to guess. Um, so yeah, I shot her and then. <laughs> yeah. So you shot her and then like we're on cloud nine. Cause like I looked at the bear and the year prior I'd shot like, what I thought was going to be a good bear. I saw him at like 400 yards out and I shot this like cinnamon bear. And I was like, okay, it's not a monster, but I thought it was a pretty decent sized bear and like <clears throat> ground shrinkage on bears. 
That's insane. It's crazy because like their hair is long and they're fluffy and you're like, oh, that looks like a 700 pound bear. And you get up to it and you're like, that's a Labrador retriever. <laughs> like it sucks. But like, again, it was my first bear. I was super thankful. Like I never shot a bear. It was a pretty color face, but it was a small bear. And so I wanted to make sure that the next bear I shot was like a decent mature bear. Mature bear. You know, it didn't have to be a, t- a six footer or a seven footer, but I, I was like, I want a decent five foot, five and a half foot bear. And with this bear that she shot, I just like the way that she sat for me the whole time, she was just like in this grove of green trees. Like you could, all you could see was just her big fucking head. But I was like, what's her body look? I couldn't tell. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, in the back of my mind, I knew that we had that other bear that like looked big from far away. So I'm like, "Ah, I'll just wait. And then she, we went back and forth and talked about like how pretty she was long jet black, like coat, like not rubbed yet. Super pretty big head um yeah like she said she shot it and then uh we're like on cloud nine we're pumped and she looks at me and she goes you need to go get that bear and so like i tell her i'm like okay walk up to the bear with a pistol like i'm gonna leave you here but like make sure you're good to go i was like i got it fucking go go get this bear <laughs> so then i get up like and it's like you think you're close to the, the original bear so we i walk i like the next ridge is straight up so i like huff and puff off this ridge and it's getting dark and I get to a point where you get on the backside of this ridge and it's so thick, you can't even see the next ridge. So I'm like looking through and I kind of see an opening and I look at it and I'm like, oh, she, that bear was on the next ridge. And I'm like, I don't, that point for me, I was, I got a, I had a humbling experience. I'm like, hey dude, like you got to bear down, be thankful that we killed a bear. Like don't get greedy and try to go kill another one. Like we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Like, yeah, you want to kill a bear, obviously that's what you're out there to do, but you need to take a step back and be like, Hey, we, we, we got to go take care of what we've already done. So at this point, it's just stupid to, to continue on. And, you know, we'd still be out there packing if I'd end up <laughs> killing that bear. Like it was a fucking shit show. Like the next couple ridges were just miserable downfall, like through shitty pines. And so I come back and, uh, she started taking like, you know, trophy pictures and all that stuff. And <clears throat> it ended up being like taped. It was like five, three, five, four, uh, a dry sow, so she didn't have any cubs with her. And that was, like, the biggest thing when I was staring at her. I'm like, usually when you see a bear that close and it sees you, it takes off. And it didn't do that. And I'm like, why is it not running away? And my big, my first concern was, she does she cubs, have cubs? Yeah. And if she does, where the fuck are they? Because I don't want to get in between them. Yeah. And so that's why I sat there for so long. I'm like, I don't, I don't see cubs. She's not acting, like, She's not looking aggressive. around anywhere. She's just hanging tight. She's just chilling. So yeah, then we uh, we we skinned her out, and you know it's a really nice bear. We got a lot of meat off of her, mm-hmm. um, and then we had this like I don't know. Every time she kills something, it's at last light. So all of our packouts are like we didn't get back to the truck till midnight, one o'clock, and then we got home, and I was just like, I think it was two o'clock by the time we had gotten home, two thirty or something crazy, and it's. So it's just a pattern. Everything I've shot <laughs> is right at dark. And so we, you know, we're in bear country too. So we, we have like our pistol lights out. We're making noise, singing to each other, just doing goofy shit. But we know that there's bears in the area and it was very, very dark out. It's sketchy at night too. When you're like where we shot that bear, like not very many people go. Like, yeah, there's trails to there, but they're not hiking trails. Like they're old logging roads and they're behind gates. So you, you hike out there. 
and four it's five tree, miles. There's trees everywhere and bush everywhere, so it's not just like a open road. But there was many times where we both like stopped, like, "What was that?" <laughs> like, God, and I'm such a I don't know, dude. Like, I'm a grown man, but I'm afraid of the dark. Like, I don't like the dark because I don't know what's in it. And so, like, if it was. If it was just me out there, I probably would have ran the whole way back just on pure adrenaline, just terrified of like the fucking boogeyman coming to get me. I don't know what it is, but in the dark alone, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't either. I hate tracking animals in the dark, man. I'd rather shoot them in the morning and miss my flight. That's more my speed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's definitely Carter's um, MO. I had two I had two questions. One, like what are the rules and regs about bears in montana like do you in georgia you have to get them checked by the dnr and that kind of stuff um and then two what do y'all what do you carry like for bear safety so so the regulations on shooting bears like you can't you can shoot either male or female but if she has cubs they're off limits and like you will get trouble i don't know if the fine is crazy we talked to the when we checked her bear in we did talk to the game warden and he was like some guys brought in smaller sows that had milk on her tits. So it's like, I don't know what the fine is or what trouble they get in, but they're off limits. I mean, I don't think it's like where they reprimand your tags or they don't take it away from you, but I think you do get a fine. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But when you shoot a bear, depending on what unit you're in, each unit has a different tagging and reporting uh, style. So with the unit we were in, we, within 10 days, you had to, ch- uh, within 48 hours, you had to call it in. And then within 10 days, you had to bring it to a regional office for a game warden to take a tooth sample, tag the bear. And then they ask you questions like, did you observe it for this long? You know, they they ask you kind of a broad spectrum of of, uh, questions just to get more information on your hunt. Um, And then like there's other units where you just kill a bear and you just call it in and that's good. Or there's other units where you don't even have to call it in. So if you're out in Montana spring bear hunting, make sure on Onyx or Go Hunt, like, click over to the bear regulations on your app. So that way you can see which unit you're in. And then there's like little subunits in there. They want to know exactly like which little square mile you shot it in. And that's just for them to do a bunch of reporting and see how many bears came out of like that specific location or, Oh, we had like five sows shot here, that sort of deal. And then for carry, uh, I carry a Glock 23, 10 mil. Um, that's just, it was, I got it, you know, with a veteran discount at a local gun shop, like super cheap. And then I run like a 500 lumen tack light off that. <clears throat> and then you run. I carry a Glock 45 and I also have this, I think I have the same uh, light that he does on mine and it flashes and is a solid light, but my gun's a little bit heavy. Um, I like his gun. It's a little bit smaller, but I was carrying a 38 <laughs> special years ago. And, and I had told my dad that I needed to get a bigger gun because that's just going to piss off a bear if I run into one. It's a little hooker piss. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> I went to go buy a gun and my dad actually ended up buying me a 45, which was pretty cool. So it's what I carry. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think people. Have I, this, I don't fuck with bear spray. I just don't. I just feel like bear <laughs> spray. You're just seasoning up the bear to eat you. Like, I, I think people also have a, a shrewd conception of when you see a bear, you think you're going to see it at hundred yards out charging. You usually, if you if a bear charges you, one of two things happens. One, you run into a grizzly bear and you just scared it and it's going, fuck that, and I'm going to fuck you up. So it's like from 
10 feet away that you run upon this bear. So you don't have to be like surgical with a pistol. You know, if you're at the point where a bear is attacking you, just start shooting, just start like (laughs) pretty much like muzzle thumping and shooting. Like you don't have a choice. And then with black bears, I got bluff charged a couple years ago because I was leaving the woods and I got in between a sow and cubs. And so those are the only two instances that I've had where like, bears have tried to attack it's because i made a mistake of one not making enough noise while hunting which sucks because you were hunting and you're trying to find these animals but it's better to be a little bit more noisy when you're in bear country because the last thing i want to do is come around a pine tree and be face to face with a grizz or a black bear that's just not happy that i'm there and they're bigger than me so most of the time they will win but also yeah i mean it's it's sucks that you have to make noise to a point but if you're in the woods and you're not making any noise the woods are really loud there's a ton of noise in the woods and i think these animals are accustomed to hearing noise it's when they hear silence i think maybe they're a little more perked up and and listening but you can make all the noise you want and you might not scare off animals just because the the woods are pretty noisy it's a great point like trying to sound like the animal you know like like elk make a ton of racket they are so loud you know and so not like you can listen in the woods and hear like different movement patterns and like try to emulate that versus like a human or something that's stalking is going to sound a lot different than something that's just kind of traveling and so there's there's definitely some techniques there one thing i wanted to comment on though is the talking about aging in size and bears. And I don't have a whole lot of practical experience with this other than just watching them when I killed a bear. But a technique that I've learned and I've tried to use whenever I see bears, and it seems to be pretty, uh, pretty applicable. And you said, you know, she had a big old pumpkin head is the head size actually is. So the, you look at the ears and the bigger the ears look, the smaller the bear, the smaller the ears look, the bigger the bear. And that's a really good way to like off the off the paw, I guess you could say, to age them and judge them for size wise. So if they have big head, little ears, it's a good probably a good size bear. If it has tiny ears, it's probably a big bear. So the head size is, is the best way to actually judge them. Yeah, and, and like location of the ears too. Like if they're more sticking up, like straight straight on, like it's probably a younger bear. But as mm-hmm. as they grow and their skull gets bigger, like the ears kind of go out to the sides. And like when they start going out to the sides and they get smaller, you're like, okay it's at least a mature bear. So that's, we look, we look for like, we don't look for massive trophy bears. Like we're not the, like we're not world renowned bear hunters. Like we just look for a mature bear to do our part one to fill a tag because we're out there hunting is what we love to do. But like we do, I w- I think I read a story or an article a couple years ago, like the biggest depredation on elk calves in Montana is black bears. And then it goes like black bears. I think then it's, mountain lions and then wolves so it's like especially because spring bear is in correlation with the uh calving season for i mean calves and and fawns so those big heavy boars are like looking around and looking for that fresh meat that they just came out of hibernation for and it's like it's an easy target for them to eat so we shot I mean, I don't know if the bear we shot ever ate a cow calf, but in that area we'd seen a bunch of elk. And then the next week we seen an elk with a calf. So there, there are calves in there. So there were a bunch of bears in there. Did you cut her stomach open? 
no, we don't. Ew. I don't fuck with that. <laughs> I always like to uh, to cut open stomachs and see what they've been eating. I find with deer, especially, it really helps to have an idea of like what food sources are you hitting this time? They're hitting this time of year. So there's actually a lot you can kind of study and learn. I've never, like I said, I never shot a bear, but I'll definitely be cutting that stomach open because it just point. helps for like for future like you know because where we're where i'm from in virginia for instance you know are they hitting grass are they hitting acorns are they hitting something like some other sort of mast and then knowing and then correlating that with like okay this time next year i know i need to be looking at acorns or i need to be looking at this or that or and then i, I think it's true for all species you can learn a lot from the stomach i think what's most difficult about bears is that any other animal you can kind of pattern bears are just bears they just do whatever the fuck they want like there's no rhyme or reason, especially like, so in the springtime is also their mating season too. So like once the sows go in heat, like it's kind of like a ruddy buck where they just, they just ridge run looking for a sow. And so it's tough to like, yeah, you know, some areas that are very like South facing slopes that have a lot of green on them, but we had a lot of like wet this winter and also a lot of wet in the spring. So there was a ton of food for them in the timber. So they didn't necessarily need to come out on these South facing slopes where you normally see them. In most places that we hunt bears, like it's very, you look up like avalanche shoots and big open faces and you find them there, but it's also so timbered and thick. Once you get into that, it's you're, you maybe can see like 50 yards at most. And like to, to try to find a bear in that is so tough. I mean, that's where I shot my bear. It was deep in the timber, dark, wet, and loaded with ticks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She had <laughs> she had a ton of ticks on her. Yeah, I was gonna ask what some like effective scouting tips for bears, but if it's just wander around till you see them, like. Well, it's not necessarily like wander around till you see them. Like that is an aspect to it, but. Like you want to find south facing slopes to get a lot of sun, uh, especially early season. Like bears, when they first come out of hibernation, they're not going to go that far away from where they hibernated. So, like if you find a bear like opening morning, which it would be April fifteenth or fourteenth, like it's probably within a mile of where it went to hibernate. And so, with that, you try to find okay. What are south facing slopes? Is there a bunch of green? Like they come out and they're dehydrated and they're hungry. Like they stay, people don't realize like it didn't drink water the entire time of hibernation. So like a lot of times bears will start off low, go get water, or they'll find like a green grassy area and just munch on that until they're completely full. All the bears that we'd seen, we had spotted from miles away way away from roads too. Like Mm -hmm. where we hunt, there's a bunch of like four wheeler trails and like roads that can take you like all the way into Idaho, like all kinds of stuff. And so where we were spotting bears was like, as a crow flies, like three, four miles, but it's like six miles to get to them. And then you look on the map and you're like, there's no roads over there. And those are the ones that we only seen. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we had seen that one, the first night that we really went out, looked for bears and we found another one. So like, going back to hunting when you first get out of the truck, like if we had just said fuck it and like ran as fast as we could to that first bear we saw, we may have missed an opportunity to shoot this bear. Like you just never know. Yeah, that's all really good stuff. Let's shift gears a little bit and uh, off bears as we've, you know, 
when by the time this drops, will probably be in early, early mid August. And uh, and what do you guys do? You know, what are you doing this time of year? What are you guys thinking about? We know we got archery out coming up. All the seasons, like the fall, this is our this is our prime time for folks that are into hunting. Uh, what are you guys doing right now? Late July, early August to start preparing, especially for elk season. Um, this year is a little bit different. I I drew a pretty awesome mule deer tag. So our focus has shifted just a little bit. We've been scouting um, a little bit, probably a lot more the next couple of weeks, but looking for mule deer, but really we're shooting our bow as much as we can. Um, yep. Just getting, I just got a new bow, a new bow set up for this year. So I'm trying to spend some quality time with that and just get the feel for it. Cause it's completely different than the last bow I was shooting. Um, just getting really comfortable with it and confident with my shots and um yeah. And with scouting too, like we're, we hunt the same area pretty much every year for elk, just cause it's, it's, it's a unique area. And if you know how to hunt it, you'll run into elk. Last year we did a 10 day uh, elk hunt out there and we ran into elk every single day where guys we'd meet up and they'd be like, Oh, we haven't heard or seen anything. And I'm like, yeah, us either. We, there's no elk here. You should probably Nothing. go away. <laughs> yeah. But Classic. the area that we hunt is, uh, so we have like, this time of year, I would say, is where you can put a lot of miles in the woods. Like, it's not a bad idea to just go wandering through the woods and looking for water sources, wallows, uh, bedding areas, high benches, south-facing slopes, timbered areas. Uh, and we set up a lot of trail cameras. And so what we'll do is, like, early August, uh, we'll set up, like, five or six trail cameras in, in areas in the past that were very successful for us. Um and then opener that week or the weekend of opener, we'll kind of one, we'll either we'll hunt and try to find an elk. And if we kill one, then we'll just leave the cameras because in Montana, you can leave cameras year round. Uh, or if we don't like we'll hunt one area that we have a camera, check it, see what the timestamps are and kind of what they're doing. Like last year, we had a bunch of pictures. There'd be like a handful of pictures between like nine o'clock in the morning till 10 and then it would be three days until they came back and then it was nine o'clock in the morning and so the last time we had seen elk on the camera when we first got there it was day two of their cycle so we knew that they would probably come back to this area on the the third day or fourth day and so we did run into elk the third or fourth day like right at night um but we just try to gain as much information and use tools that we don't necessarily have to, I wouldn't say waste time out in the woods, but you set up cameras. It's kind of doing the, the research for you. So we'll just go check cameras opener uh, in the process of hunting. Like we'll bugle and we'll call and whatever it may be to get them to talk, but just that. And then looking up new areas like, Oh, that looks like a bitch to get to. I don't want to go in there which means everybody doesn't want to go in there. Which means we should go in there. Yeah. And then Savannah <laughs> would always be like, yeah, we're going. And I'm like, fuck. All right, let's go. So that's kind of like what we try to do for elk. We try to find food, water, shelter, their bedding areas. But also like we try to find areas that are off the beaten path, not necessarily like 10 miles in, but like what is a pain in the ass to get to? Like there's a lot of areas that are kind of off road that are just miserable deadfall. But every year we go into there, we find we find bulls and cows and all kinds of elk in there because nobody's willing to trudge through that deadfall that sucks. Yeah, my limited 
elk experience. Uh, my first year hunting OTC here in Colorado with a bow a couple years ago, I uh, had that exact experience. It wasn't necessarily intentional. It was that I just picked a poor route, ended up going up some steep ass shit that was just all blown deadfall and it was hellacious. And we ended up just busting out, you know, one to two satellite bulls that were kind of hanging out on the fringe where we thought that the elk were. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I was like, okay, noted here, like nobody wants to come into this. And if we had not, you know, maybe been looking up and not looking at our feet and feeling sorry for ourselves. Cause we picked, I picked a stupid route. We, you know, we've been looking in glass and we actually probably could have killed a bull. So, uh, it, it definitely looking for those spots. And that was like two miles from the trailhead, you know, but there's just this other route that makes a lot more sense that, you, you know, everybody that's going up that mountain that we were on is following that trail, that route. And so they'll get pushed close to the trailhead, close to the parking lot, you know, like we talked about before. Yeah. I'm, I would say for the most part, like I lead when we hunt, like I'm usually in the front. And so I've trained myself to be very persistent with like looking up, and scanning and this is where she makes fun of me all the time because she will she finds elk sheds and deer sheds all the time because she's not necessarily looking up in front of her there's been times i've walked right over deer sheds and she's like you just step right over this i'm like i'm not looking i'm looking for the ones that are still attached like i don't care about that fucking bone but uh yeah i think in that all reverts back to like take your time like you're not in a rush to get to point b like like you said, you went through some hellacious deadfall. If you had taken the second to like stop and kind of scan, you probably would have seen a bull standing there or feeding or whatever and giving yourself a better opportunity to at least take an animal instead of just being like, fuck, we just bumped out our third bull that day. Yeah, Perry and I, uh, a couple of years ago, we were antelope hunting and we coined a little phrase. It was ABG, always be glassing. And I, I think that that's 100% real. And everything up to this point is what reaffirmed that is, you know, you take a couple of steps, scan with your glass. You should visually clear everything before you go walk into it because you don't know what's in front of you. And, you know, side to side, too, is just like use the use the binos even in thick timber because you'll pick out an antler or an ear or the vertical line of you know or like excuse me the horizontal line of a elk's back or a deer's back you know when they're bedded or whatever and so like you can using the binos even in where you can't see that far actually is a real real benefit and it helps you pick shit out that you can't pick out with your eyes plus if you have good glass if it's a little bit dark in that timber you're going to pull in more light and actually be able to see deeper with the good glass versus just your naked eye yeah, I think, too, people don't use, like, the focus on their glass, like, especially with binos. Uh, like, if you're glassing into a piece of timber, uh, refocus your glass so that you can look at, like, yeah. either closer little pockets or further away little pockets. Like, not just the broad spectrum of, like, this hillside, but, like, refocus your shit so that you can stare into these little things. And I learned that from listening to a podcast with Remy Warren where he was like, you got to be able to take – this big picture of a hillside and really individually chunk it up to where you're looking at in between little tree like branches. And, you know, he talks about him glassing up just an ear from a mile away being like, Oh, I just saw an ear flicker. There they are. And then once you see that, like one little piece of antler ear or back, that's when like, okay, this whole ridge is littered with animals. We just need to take our time and, and really thoroughly look through it. That's a really good tip, especially for like any non-residents speaking from experience here. Like if you were fortunate enough to draw a tag and you're 
listening to this in August and coming out somewhere out west this fall, don't be so prone to just charge in there, which we kind of talked about earlier. But that was a, a huge downfall of some of my early trips as well. Um, and really taking your time is where it kind of pays dividends there. One thing I think that's cool too is I grew up in Montana and I am like kind of set in my ways on how I hunt. And he obviously is not from Montana originally. And the hunting where he's from is very different, very, very thick, slow paced. I have never been a timber hunter in my life. So I've actually learned a lot from his style of hunting because it was never that way for me. Um, And I would kind of cruise through too quickly and not, you know, take 10 steps, look, take 10 steps, look. And now I've, I've, he's trained me a little bit to, to take my time. And I think I have taught him some things too. Yeah. Um, sure. So it's, it's nice to hunt with someone who has a little bit of a different hunting experience in the territory that he's from versus where I'm from. So it's kind of cool to pick each other's brains and learn from that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing when it comes to finding somebody that you want to hunt with, like you got to find an equal ground as to how much you both like hunting. Like we're both super crazy about it. So I know we talked about it earlier, but there's been times where we got our ass kicked all day and we're like, all right, let's head back to the truck. And we like get to this point last year and there's like a storm coming. I'm like, all right, if we hear a bull bugle down in this basin, we're going to go. And we hadn't heard shit all day. And I was like, I'm going to let out one hellacious bugle. And I do. And sure as shit, two bulls light up like way the fuck down in this basin. In the back of my mind, I'm like, no fucking way. Like, we're not going down there. She looks at me and she goes, well, fuck it, right? And I go, God damn it. Yep, let's go. <laughs> and that was like, that's where I ripped my pants. I mean, it was like rock climbing down. It was a fucking disaster. Then we get down there and the storm came in, trees are breaking around us, thunder and lightning, bulls shut up. So it was a, I mean, essentially like a waste of time. We get down there, just get soaked, rip my pants. I'm pissed. Now we got to hike all the way back out in the dark. I'm like, God, this, the fuck are we doing? That's why I said, like, we get each other into trouble sometimes because neither one of us want to say no. Like we're, we're just so hell bent on just the experience and the hunting aspect. Like we're willing to do the stupid shit, but. Sometimes it pays off, honestly. Yeah, there's a lot of times where we're like, there's no way there's going to be a bull down here. But like, ah, we'll never know unless we go check. And we go check and we run into like a fucking herd of them. And we're like, oh, shit, they're everywhere. Or there's times we're like, oh, there's no way, you know, there's not a bull on the other side of this. And we get over there and it's fucking dead silent. We're like, this was bullshit. Why did we come over here? That's important with your hunting partner. And I, I think that, that that's the key. It's one of the reasons why I like hunting a lot of times solo. Uh, it's because like... I feel guilty if I get folks into trouble and I'm usually the one that's like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you got to find that, that I always equate it to like, you know, and it's kind of funny for you guys, but like finding a, a, the, the right hunting partner is like finding a wife. And so, you know, you, you know, you guys, I don't want to speak too soon, but hey, it hey, looks hey, like hey, you're hey, heading in that direction, right? Yeah. I'm not looking for a, you're over no. there living in sin. So that's the next logical step. So, <laughs> having somebody to push each other and then be that accountability for when you're like, I don't know, that's like that, that third ridge over there, that looks pretty far. And then you start, you know, negotiating with yourself and you're like, well, I've only got three hours of light left. Like, do we really want to try to make it? And so having somebody be like, no, shut up, pussy. We're going. That's, <laughs> that's, that's important. Literally you know? the bane of our relationship. It's just like, 
ah, should, we don't really have that much time. And we're both just like, fuck it. Like we're okay with packing out at night. Obviously it's basically what we do. As long time. as he's not alone. Yeah. As long as <laughs> I'm okay alone. I'm just more tired. Cause I've been running the whole time out of there. Like it's fine. More scared. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm just, I don't like it. All right. <laughs> That's funny. But a big thing for, I would say fall prep too. Um, people need to take all their gear out that they're planning on taking with them in the woods and really like figure out your packs, uh, figure out what is actually necessary. I run, I run very, very light when it comes to stuff. Like I don't, I carry like a lot of water, uh, like a day's worth of food, maybe if that, uh, but like, I don't, I don't carry like tarps and shit. I don't carry, I don't know. Like we used to do like a lot of like, mountain home mountain house foods and stuff but i realized like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with some fucking granola bars like that'll get you in and out in a couple days and like the biggest thing is just you don't want to have a pack that's 50 pounds going in if you're just going for a day because if in the realm that or if, if you do kill something now you have to pack out all the shit that you carried all day and at least a quarter. So I like to just be like a couple granola bars, if anything, just a bunch of water, and then just go from there. Make sure you have extra blades for your knives, um, maybe like a little chargeable battery pack for your phone, for your maps. But I would say we, we stay pretty lightweight all season, even in the wintertime. Like you just for a jacket, you bring like an extra puffy because they weigh nothing. But other than that, it's just that fire starter water and so how much spike camping are you doing are you guys mostly just doing day hunts where we pretty much just do day hunts like where we hunt there are there are a lot of like where i hunt am i going to tell people where i hunt no but it's not a secret spot like there's we run into hunters all the time uh and you can't really spike hunt here like in that area because if you go five miles in whatever direction like there's there's a road so you can just drive to it and so I don't necessarily, I don't think it's necessary that you have to do that to get into animals. So I don't, I'd rather go into an area, hunt it hard, come out, regroup for the night. Now that we have an, a camper, we can fucking sleep in a bed at night, get up in the morning and it's warm, not have to try to caterpillar shimmy to get a cup of coffee out of your sleeping bag. So just get up, no clothes on, start a pot of coffee. Like, I told myself I'd never have a camper and then <laughs> and then he got a girlfriend and, and then I got talks. a girlfriend and she's like, we should get a camper. And I was like, ah, all right, that's fine. And now you're stoked about it. Yeah. Now I'm like, dude, let's fucking, let's just go sleep in it. She's like, we have a house. <laughs> like we're good. So I'm like, no, well, we want to check it out. That's funny. I live in a camper right now, not physically this moment. Cause I'm in Colorado for baby leave, but in Louisiana, I live in a camper and I'm pretty sold on them. Um, I think about it like there's different like there's different types of hunting and I give Carter and uh, some of our buddies shit for a couple years ago like we were in Wyoming and I was like hey like like the winds in Wyoming are shit and we had done it the year before at a tent and I was like I don't want to do that again like we're we're driving in we're parking and we're sleeping next to the truck like there's no reason from my opinion that we have a tent and so I was like let's get a U-Haul box truck like yeah. 26 footer. <laughs> and we'll put we'll make the whole thing a cabin and put everybody in there. And the boys were like, "Oh, we want the Western hunting experience because like there was everybody, a lot of the guys' first, which I get, right? You want to have it, 
but I'm like the Western hunting experience. We're driving in, so I brought a U-Haul trailer. I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I made a little cabin out of it. We had a nice windbreak, and I was I was good. The other boys got all their shit wet and had a bunch of rain, and it was in a tent, and they had the Western hunting experience. But you know, one of the guys that wanted that pulled up with a fucking four burner gas you know giant weber gas grill in the bed of his truck i was like yeah real fucking roughing it out here aren't yeah. you You're probably it out, huh? he knows and tim. so like i think yeah it was those tim marsh big shout out you know but <laughs> oh tim <laughs> it's it's one of those things like if i don't i'll suck with the rest of them take that how you will but like i don't really care about like being miserable, but I don't want to be miserable just to be miserable. You know, if I'm going to be actually hunting off my back and I'm going into like somewhere on a hunt where I'm going to be, you know, going in setting up base camp and hunting in the high country or like I'll, I'll do the bivouac thing and that's fine. But if I don't have to do that, like why would I, why would I not like have some more comforts to where I'm going to be more effective as a hunter, less tired. Like there's, I don't know. There's just, I think guys get, married to the idea this romantic idea of what like the quintessential backcountry hunt versus really looking at it and it's like are we actually hunting in the backcountry if we're four miles from a road it's not really hunting in the backcountry that's kind of where we are at too like he said where we hunt we just it's pointless for us to waste our time and do that um we've always talked about going like packing in and and hunting somewhere we have to hike in and set up camp and do all the cool shit that all the cool kids are doing but really we don't have to and it's just a waste of our time and energy to do that and and again with like early we had we had talked about this too it's like early archery elk you're up at four you know where we camp with like now like where we camp last year and where we'll camp with the camper it's the same area like so we'll camp there and it's like a 45 minute drive like way in up these like dirt roads like way away from everything and then you hike like a mile or two in so you're up at four you're at the spot by like four, maybe five thirty. Okay, you start hunting all day. It doesn't get dark until like fucking ten o'clock. So then you have you, you know you get out at ten, hopefully if not eleven, from packing out or hiking out, and then you drive the forty five minutes back, and it's just like you're so tired from the day of just hiking those mountains. Like all you want to do, like, you know, you have to eat. So you try to muster up some quick dinner and then you go and sleep on a fucking air mattress or a little bullshit mattress and you're you or don't, nothing or just a sleeping pad for some people. Yeah. And then you don't get good night's rest. And so the next morning you're like, Oh, well, I'll just snooze the alarm. And like the first three days you're into it. You're like, yeah, dude, we're fucking elk hunting. But day four, five, six, you're like, I'm tired. I don't want to go take a nap. <laughs> like this is bullshit. And people just think that – I think people overestimate, like, their abilities to actually do a, a spike camp. Like, a lot of people are like, yes. oh, I just – my first my first backpacking trip, we're going to go for 10 days. I'm like, I think that's a mistake. I think you should go 100%. do a three-day and see how mm-hmm. it feels or do a four-day. And then uh, we – you know, these are things that we screwed up on, things that we needed. So then you readjust your gear list and then – I just know we ran into some hunters last year who were like, oh, yeah, we're backcountry hunting in here. And there's guys from Michigan. Well, they were camped right where we had video, uh, the week prior. We had trail cameras and we had a pattern of like elk doing this big circle. And they were camped right where they were walking through. 
And so then now they've, they're like, yeah, we didn't see anything. And I'm like, well, no shit. You're sleeping where they are. They're not going to come hang out with you and have a cup of coffee. Like they're going to change their direction now. And you kind of screwed it up for the locals. And I don't, I hate to be that guy. that's like, Oh, fucking out of state guys. Like don't come here. But like, if you're going to, if you're going to back country hunt, go into an area where there's no roads, not, don't say you're back country hunting just because you're a mile off the road. Like, buddy, I walked past you 10 times today. Like, what are you doing? I agree completely. And like, I don't want to sound like I'm an expert because I'm not, I'm still a pretty young Western hunter, but you do see that a lot. And you'll see like, I've been glassing, looking down and there's y'all who's like walking through like the basin where the, all the food is. And you're like, the fuck are you doing like you're walking through where they would be like get yeah. out of there or you're set they're setting up camps there like, like the most yeah, like protected beautiful nice place that probably looks like the idyllic camp is probably not where you should camp because that's where the fucking animals want to go uh, you know as well and so just all the time it does you know and i was probably that guy my first year i was probably drudging through and fucking up everybody else's hunt and that's part of the learning process but you got to make sure you are learning and getting better each time and paying attention and then not getting in love with the idea of western hunting and actually learn how to western hunt and hunt in the west and know that not every hunt is a backcountry hunt you don't need to use those tactics because you see the idea of it from some folk like there's some misrepresentation that goes on in social media and on some of these tv shows for what it, it actually looks like you know, how are they sleeping? Where are they sleeping? That sort of thing. Like not everything is a backcountry hunt. Like I hate to break it to folks, but like Joe Rogan isn't sleeping in a tent, you know, when he goes and kills these 400 inch bulls, he's sleeping at a fucking 10 star lodge that costs $25,000 for a five day hunt. Like, and came right fine. there next If I had that money, I would exactly. do too. I'm not but- hating on him. I just want everybody to kind of know what that hunt actually looks like, you know, like, right. It, guys just get a very skewed perspective and it's the expectation management for one, what the hunt looks like, where you're sleeping, how you're sleeping, how miserable it is, especially if you don't have the experience level or the right gear to make it less miserable. And then it's the amount of animals and the type of animals you're going to see, man. I, gosh, I remember I was hunting with a buddy who was a brand, like brand new completely and was like kind of giving me, I never killed any animals. It was bow hunting for elk and he was this is a really good friend of mine, but he was like, he's like, well, you know, I'm really holding out for this. And I was like, holding out for what, dude? You never killed anything. You need to shoot the first legal animal <laughs> that walks in front of you with a bow. Like, are you fucking, like, you're not holding out for anything. <laughs> yeah. The odds of you, that's what I think, again, people have, like you're saying, people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to hold out for like a 300 inch bull. I Dude, I shot a 350 this year. I'll shoot a fucking, if it's a legal bull, I don't give a fuck. Like it is getting shot. Like I'm not. I'm, I don't think I'll ever get to the point unless I'm a fucking multi-bajillionaire and I get to go hunt where like Joe Rogan hunts or whatever. I'll never get to a point where it's like, oh, that's that's a legal bull, but it's not big enough for me. Like, I don't have that much of an ego to to like hold out on like a, you know, if we're seeing if we're if we had a couple interactions with like big bulls where it was close, you'd be like, eh, maybe we'll. But then I say that, but as soon as that bull steps out in front of me, I'm like, full draw. Come on, give it to me. Like I don't. We're the only thing that we're super picky about is deer. Just because, like, w- her and I have had this uh, this conversation in an agreement that we would rather, if we're desperate for meat, we would rather shoot a mature doe than shoot like a a forker or whatever. And that's and that's not like 
any out-of-state guys, like, we get it. You know, you pay a lot of money. You don't want to go home empty-handed. But for us, you know, we see a lot of residents that are like, oh, I shot my meat buck this year, and it's like a little tiny two-point. And you're like, you know, you guys had the opportunity to hunt all year. And your tags were what? Ten bucks. Ten, bucks? 10 15 like, bucks. So what if you eat that tag, but... You could have shot yeah. like a, a mature. Yeah, like last year, I didn't. I didn't shoot. Blessing. Yeah, we had to. Carter was Savannah had to say yes. It was okay for him to shoot that. <laughs> she saw but, the desperation in my eyes. Yeah. But last year, you know, I, I had a. We had hunted, and her and I, for you know, she shot her buck, and then I, it was my turn to like look for a decent deer, and uh, we. I just, you know, we're looking at small four points, small three points, like cool looking bucks that anybody would have been happy to kill, but I'm just like, it, it didn't get me excited to shoot him. So I don't care to shoot it. I'd rather shoot in, in the area that we hunt too. There, there's fucking does everywhere. So I ended up just shooting like a, a doe to finish my a tag. And I donated that meat to a friend who couldn't hunt because she had shoulder surgery and like missed all of hunting season. So like, I'd much rather do that than just say like, Oh, I shot an antlered buck. That's a one, two year old buck that had so much potential to be a stud but you killed him at his growing years. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. And I think it comes down to one, your experience level two, your opportunity. And then three, just what kind of gets you excited. Like you just said, like none of these really got me excited. Like I think that's what it comes down to. And I think Western hunters could take some tips from the Eastern world with the whitetails for, you know, age class management of better. And, you know, I get it. And like the culture is different and, but there are like, I mean, even that, that unit that Carter and I hunt in, like there are so many does, like if they would just cut the buck tags by a quarter and then shift that over to those, I would venture to guess it wouldn't affect the population in that area so much. And it'd probably help it. Cause I think there's too many does and they've got to be competing for food and all this other stuff. And so like, I'm not sure to them. I mean, what do I know? These guys are paid to do it, but I think that there could definitely be some better management across the board. Um, like the meat buck thing is still, it's like hard for me to wrap my head around coming from like an Eastern hunter and I've killed little bucks. I'm not going to like, I'll, I'll shoot a, I've never killed a mule deer buck. So at at the end of the day, like I'll shoot something to get on the board with that species, get some interaction with that species. But I always try to like, when it comes to bucks, it's like, I'm not going to shoot something that was smaller than what I've already killed. I'd rather just learn and study and then try to like get in that older age class because they're harder to hunt as well. You know, they're more, they, they, an older buck, and probably bull have less experience with bulls. They're just more cagey. They, they know they're, it's more of a chess match versus like just looking and trying to find that opportunity, see one, shoot one type thing. Yeah. I mean, I've been hunting, like I said, my whole life and I've killed a handful of bulls and a little reg comes in and I am just as excited as I would be if I seen, you know, a three fifty bull walk by, I tears are coming. If I shoot it, I mean, just a cow, I, I, had a moment of silence with my cow last year and just I had some tears in my eyes. I think it's like, it, it doesn't, if once you lose that, you should quit hunting. So, I mean, for some people, I understand that shooting that small buck would give them that same, that same rush of emotion, but you should get to a point as a hunter, like you said, where you're learning from it and you don't have to kill something just to kill it. Yep, you know, you're 100%. also taking a life. So I think it's important that you're being purposeful with what you're hunting and if you have a goal, stick to it. And, you know, some for some people, maybe you just want to shoot a spike. But at that point, we are also hunters hunting for meat. So you're going to get more meat off of a mature doe than you would a two-year-old 
buck. So just kind of like just weighing your options and being realistic and also being a decent human and a, a decent hunter and respecting what you're hunting. Yeah. It's a hunter's responsibility. Everybody wants to put on like the responsibility of like growth of big deer to like FWP or like the biologists or whatever. But I'm like, they don't have any control. They, they tell you how many tags can be filled in this unit. But if you're filling those tags on, you know, I've heard multiple times guys are like, we didn't see any bucks or we only shot, you know, we shot these small bucks cause there's no big ones anymore. And I'm like, well, there's not going to be any more big ones if you keep shooting the little ones. And so I think yeah. there's a responsibility on the individual hunter too, to be like, yes, I understand you want to kill a buck. Yes. I understand that like you want to harvest an animal, but I think the, the idea that social media has ruined for hunting is that like, there's a, there's a silent competition of like, Oh, well, I shot this buck this year and I shot this buck this year. It's just like, you got to step away from that bullshit and just be like, who cares what you shoot? Are you happy with what you shot? Like last year, I was more than happy to take that doe because I knew it was a mature doe and whatever. So I didn't care that I didn't have a trophy mule deer or horns to, to remember the hunt. Like I got to do shoot that doe and then donate it to a friend. Like it didn't matter to me that it was a, a, a doe. I don't care. Well, and you know, it's hard to, this is the other thing talking about, experience levels is there's a place for killing does because it's still repetition in your you know whether it's an, with a rifle or with a, a, a bow is like you can't replicate putting animals on the ground and this is like they want to come on a point to my buddy who's like oh i'm holding out for whatever I'm like you just need to kill dude like you need to kill animals i still feel that way about i'm still a relatively new bow hunter i haven't killed that many animals it's like i'm not in a position as a bow hunter to pass on that many animals because i haven't killed enough to have my whole process, my repetition. And like, this is where like different type styles of hunting and like hunting in the off season, going to, you know, killing pigs, going to the East and being able to stack some tags up. Cause like, I talked about this with one of my buddies who's been hunting out West and he, you know, the, it's funny. Cause I kind of like live in both worlds now that I live in Colorado and Tyler's probably kind of similar with you too, is like, you hear like, there's kind of a rivalry and like the Western hunters, there's like this idea that it's like, different or better it's like yeah but you can western hunt your entire life and you might kill two or three animals a year i've killed 16 animals in one season you know and like when you look at like that and the repetitions and being able to do that stuff like it actually matters and so i think it goes back to the skill set thing it's like where are you at like i don't need to shoot shit with a rifle because i've killed a lot of animals with a rifle now i feel like i like in what i'll shoot with a rifle versus a bow are completely different based on my experience level and like the amount of more practice and work i need in repetition well, also too, like Montana, we have like you, it's, it's always about the opportunity. Like there's not a time that we go out hunting that we don't see what we're hunting for, you know? So it's like with deer, we know that there's, there's a big one somewhere and it's just like a chess match. Like you said, if, if we're yeah. going to find them that day, but I understand like growing up, if you saw a deer hunting, you were like, Oh my God, I saw a deer this year. Like it's, it's, it's very different. Like the opportunity is really not there. Now there are some big animals that are always shot up in Northern Maine or in new England in general. But, you know, growing up, it was like, Oh, we have the opportunity to shoot a doe as kids. It was like, if it's Brown, it's down, like just kill it. Like we didn't have one, a lot of time to hunt and two, the opportunity really just wasn't there. It's not like here. Like I had four does standing in my fucking field this morning, got up, look at coffee and there's a deer out there. Like, Montana has a, a surplus of deer, I would say, compared to other places. 
but like for us, it's always just, yeah, we want to have like shoot the biggest and baddest deer, but we're not going to downplay our hard work just to kill something that just, we are not happy to kill. I guess that didn't sound great to say happy to kill, <laughs> but like we're I not. Mean, yes. It, it, you can say that completely. Like, of course you're happy to kill. Like the killing might be the, my least favorite part of the process, which I think it actually is the talking to you know, Savannah, your point about like the, the emotional deal, especially if when it goes wrong, Carter and I just did a tip episode yesterday where we talked about all of our failures, which we have a lot of, we could do probably the whole 10 hour series on just the amount of things we fucked up, but you should be happy. That's it's the culmination of all the hard work, all the experience, everything you put in the off season. It's what we think about all the time. Yeah, there's going to be some elation. Yeah, like you, the gravity isn't lost on us and what we did. But I think happiness is is a is a fine descriptor. And I hate how like we feel like we have to qualify it or soften it to people that might not understand. Like fuck them. Like I, I don't care. Like that's yes, what we're out there to do is kill. Yeah, ultimately. exactly. That's the, like that. We're not harvest. Like I hate when we soften. We just harvesting. harvesting. Like, yeah, get out of here. That bullshit. Like, they're not fucking carrots, right? Like I'm not yeah. harvesting the crops. I'm not a fucking meat farmer, dude. I'm out there fucking hunting. I killed this thing with my rifle that I fucking put a lot of money and time into. Yep. You know, and, and if it doesn't I, I make just, you happy, then stop. Like Savannah said. Yeah, I agree. Well, shit. We busted past an hour there. I feel like we could go for another hour, but. You know, that, that, I appreciate, you know, you guys taking the time and coming on in Savannah and explaining this. And it's a cool perspective because it's one that we need to bring more of. And, you know, it's a big initiative for us here at HLE, which is trying to lower barriers of, of entry to get more ladies involved. And we've got the Women in the Wild offshoot podcast that may or may not fully happen at some point. But we've done a couple episodes uh, and we're, we're trying to do more of that. So we need definitely need to get you plugged in with the, the ladies over there and 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 flesh it out more because you've got a, a ton of experience and you can definitely uh, provide some awesome perspectives. So I appreciate you jumping on. Yeah. Anytime. You got any uh, closing thoughts for us, Savannah, Tyler? Don't be an idiot. <laughs> that's, that's no, my, Carter and I struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> All land never... is public land. If you're fast enough, <laughs> don't listen to that. <laughs> if you that have a suppressor, like a... you can kill whatever you want. <laughs> this is gonna get ripped like soundbite ripped out and we're gonna get fucked no i would say you know especially for like the way that the industry has gone I, and i hate calling it the industry because like we've been doing it since we were kids like we don't give a yes we like to post our pictures and like you know show that we worked hard for this bull or buck or whatever but i don't think like i think people need to take a step back from Oh, I just want to do this to get like clicks and likes on a social media page. Like, are you really hunting because it's what you like to do or it's what you love to do? Or is it just something that you feel like, oh, it's something cool that I get to do. Like, I don't really care to do all the work, but like, I want to kill something so I can post it. And like, I know a bunch of people that do that. And it's just like, you know, they post about all oh, we you know we hunted super hard and the story comes out. It's just like, well, you, your parents paid for you to go on this ranch at the end of the year to shoot a bull. Like, I don't know the, the misconception of, I don't know. It's like the behind the curtains, real deal. Like I'm totally cool with people out there hunting as hard as they can to try to harvest a mature animal, but 
it's just, you know, we do this because it's what we've always loved to do. We love the hard work that goes into it. We love watching animals. We're okay with not shooting animals. Like, but we're also okay with putting the time in yeah. when it's necessary. So, so if you're going to get into like hunting and being in the outdoors and doing it, like do it for the right reasons. Don't do it just because like, it's the cool thing to do now. Like the social media, I would say like, ruin the fitness industry too and now it's like slowly going into like the outdoors and stuff where people make it a competition when it's it's not a fucking competition like we don't care if somebody shoots a fucking massive deer like we're super pumped for them we're not going to be like oh well we hate the fact that he shot that like we don't care we just we do it for us and that's all it's about and if you don't have that same idea of like i'm doing this for me i don't care what people think then I, I think you're in the in the outdoor realm for the wrong reasons. Don't be an oh, idiot. Yeah. Don't Basically, be an idiot. don't suck. <laughs> God, now I feel like Savannah's just yelling at me. <laughs> I know. For she yells at me all the time. She's like, don't be an idiot. I'm like, you signed up for this. I don't know what you want me to do. Carter, uh, what do you got to wrap us up? No, thanks for jumping on here, guys. You're two of my favorite people and Hope to see you in Georgia to shoot some deer, maybe. It'll happen. It'll happen good. one of these days. Georgia's a good place to get those repetitions in and kill 12, 12, 12 deer. Holy shit. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's back to my point. Like, there's having, you know, going to Walmart and being able to get 12 tags. Like, you can get some really good repetitions in, in the East Coast. So, I would I not. I need some uh, quality time with my bow. So, it'll be, it would be a yeah, good It's good a good, op, good spot to do it. But. <laughs> I appreciate you, like I said, coming on. Savannah, you need to come out and uh, join these ladies on the team. They could use some some help and some support. And, uh, you know, to our listeners, I really appreciate you guys. Uh, tell them where they can find you on social media. You guys both got pretty funny TikToks. <laughs> Big I TikTok am, stars. <laughs> I don't really – I'm not super on my TikTok much anymore, but um, yeah, my, my Instagram is just Sav Swanson, no spaces. And uh, my Instagram is – Big Sky underscore Ty, and that's the same for TikTok too. But if you like to look at hunting and dogs and fishing and stupid funny videos of Tyler being a dork, being a fucking idiot, well, a lot of hoochie daddy videos. Yeah, yeah. he's a he's like our number one hoochie daddy rep for our shorts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just we appreciate you guys. Uh, I love being on this team. It's fun to get a perspective from East Coast guys. You know, I was once an East Coast guy, so I know where you guys stand. But now that I'm out here, it's it's just fun to hear stories from like the East Coast. And you guys always have a home out here. If you ever come out and visit or want to hunt, like there's always a spot here for you guys, and we'll do our best to help you harvest a mature animal. <laughs> there's not a forky that's safe when Car- Carter's on the prowl. <laughs> No way, dude. <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. I, to be fair, I'll shoot any raghorn bull that I see this year that's legal. So I don't that's give a shit. Same, we're, we're sister. Same. <laughs> same yeah. sister. Yeah. But all right. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate the hell out of you as always. Appreciate it.